Welcome to episode three of Queer Alien Blast. This episode, we will be talking about Michael Guerin, one of the main characters in Roswell, New Mexico. For the purposes of this podcast, we wanted to spend an episode on Michael because he is one of uh, two canonically queer characters on Roswell, New Mexico so far. Um, he's a self-identified bisexual man, which we will thoroughly discuss throughout the episode. I'm joined today, as always, by Mick and Sarah. Um, and I know, guys, we wanted to start discussion um talking actually about the actor so we're going to talk a little bit about michael vlamis uh we all have quite strong opinions and i'm 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 excited to hear everyone (laughs) um kind of the the most important question i think is is the fact that this is a reboot so he is bringing something different to michael garen a much loved character (laughs) um and i know there were some issues when he was when the first of all with the reboot in general and then the casting of michael garen so I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Um, I mean, I don't know anything about the original Roswell. So, um, and I got into the reboot late uh, after episode three. So I don't know how the casting went. I don't know anything. So um, I don't know. I love him. I love him. <laughs> so, I think we all do. <laughs> you know, um, I'm good with him. You know, I think with um, Roswell, I wasn't a huge fan of the original show, just sort of a casual viewer, um, but it was a very big deal to people my age. Um, My generation loved that show, and it is, once I even knew the reboot, I was like, ooh, I just knew it wouldn't necessarily be, it would be a hard sell to some people, um, because Mm -hmm. Michael and and Maria in the original were so, so well-loved. But I think I've been... Michael Vlamis has thrown has blown it all away in his portrayal. Has brought something completely different, so that you can still enjoy the original character, but then enjoy Vlamis's iteration. Um, looking at Mick's, what Mick wanted to talk about too is is how much Vlamis seems to understand the character that he's playing. I like that it, in the notes for this episode, Mick brought up the the finger guns that are one hundred percent my favorite thing that Vlamis has has done, and I need to know if it was scripted. Absolutely. Um, but it's those little quirks that he re- he really he really brings to it that I like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I would really really love to ask him this question if I ever got a chance of how much research went into his character. I mean, uh, from the bisexuality part of it, you know, I know he didn't rewatch the old show and anything, but um, I would really love to hear like how much research he did on bisexuality help like if he asked people um i don't know because like a lot of it it's literal quirks that come up and i like like the the puns the finger guns the bad dancing like this is all millennial bisexual culture and i i really love seeing it well and i think that especially i would also like to know it, there's always a pitfall with a straight person playing a queer character. I mean, I think that's always a little, you, you know, yeah. there's always a little fear there. Not that it can't be done and not be done well. Um, but, you know, especially given all of his podcast interviews that 
people have mm-hmm. not exactly reacted positively sometimes. Um, I, I, I don't listen to all the interviews and I, and I just, I make that choice not to really engage with that part of, of fandom because I think it's a lot of criticism on someone who's just started out acting in like big projects and it's, it's nitpicking over things that I don't know that yeah. is an intentional, you know, intentionally what Lamus is trying to say. I agree. I, um, I think that that's kind of a fan problem, which, you know, they're going to latch on to anything that could possibly be negative. And Valamis, I don't know that he has learned that lesson completely yet. I also think that, I mean, not to praise, like, a straight man playing a queer character for, like, not distancing himself immediately, but he didn't do that. And I think for someone who has just started out, in, I think that he's willingness to commit himself totally to it is I think probably one of the things I love most about it that he didn't immediately say look I'm a straight man but I play a bisexual character like he did that like I the first time I heard it it was like four or five months down the line so well he was up he was up against a lot in the beginning anyway really I mean he's playing a much love a much loved character He's playing a sexuality that, I mean, let's be real honest, that a lot of people don't understand. Within fandom, within the larger world, I mean, everywhere, I think it's misunderstood. And so, and him just being a giant overgrown puppy of a human and just sort of flailing and saying what he he wants to say. Sometimes I think that that just comes across as not necessarily crass, but just sort of unthinking. And I don't really think, I don't necessarily think that he is trying to say anything negative or, or, but it is hard. I think people are unintentionally, they, when they talk about bisexuality, they, you know, you're already on eggshells. And I, but I think he does a really good job from everything I know. So. So we can now move into talking about uh, Vlamis as Garen, talk about Garen's characterization. Um, what I really think drew me into the character was his aesthetic. Just from the very beginning of episode one, but the minute the minute that he was on screen with that smile, you know, you just sort of knew like, okay, well, this is it. <laughs> and then you saw, of course, later the hat and you're like, well, I'm done. I just love his whole, everything about him. Everything is perfectly on point, I think, for the character. I have to put an unpopular opinion out there. Okay. You're going to hate me for this. I don't like the hat. <gasps> Podcast over. Explain Explain yourself. It's just mixed not from the South. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, it's just, it's the hat in general. Like, I don't like it on, on Max either. It's just the shape of the hat that I don't like. Oh, my God. Like, it just makes his hat so big. I That's don't know. the point. I don't like, okay. But I love, also, what I love about his aesthetic, when he puts on his, the hat and the, the full cowboy look, it's like this hyper-masculine persona that he has that he puts out there when he needs a mask on. Right. Because if you look closely, uh, when he's with Alex, he doesn't have this old persona. Right. When he when he when he's vulnerable with him, but when like he when he needs to be closed off, he has this old look and aesthetic. I think it's it's a good way of portraying him as a queer man is still in the closet. So there's there are ways that he uses 
let's, let's call it fashion, to put on this mask. Right. First of all, a cowboy hat is function over fashion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. Um, I'm yeah. just kidding. Um, but, <laughs> but I think what the, and I think you're pretty spot on for what the cowboy hat represents to American history. Um, it's it's John Wayne. It's the Wild West. It's all of this sort of rugged um, mm-hmm. man. Um, and obviously by that, the assumption is straight man. Um, and I love that it's, I love that it's a black hat. And I love that very not subtle white hat on Max, black hat on Michael, um, because we don't, we don't need subtlety. It's beautiful. It's perfect. But I, I do love that. And then, you know, the, the moment that I knew that I was in was that line in the, in the pilot with the macho cowboy swagger or whatever. Um, because it is, that is what he, you know, he has a lot of the time, but it's, it's almost always put on, put upon, like Nick said. Um, it doesn't feel, Part of that, it, it does feel like him. That's just who he is. He's a sarcastic shit. But part of it also feels like it's armor. Um, and, I, and I do love that. And I think that is a great segue into talking about one of the reasons we love Garen is his sarcasm and his wit and his humor. And that goes hand in hand. Um, his one-liners, I mean, he delivers them just with a quickness. And it's, a, it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, I just did like three sets on his sarcasm. So I was like going through the, the right. <laughs> all of his scenes. I was like, oh my God, he's such an asshole. Why is he such an asshole all the time? He really is. Um, but yeah, no, it's amazing. And it's definitely like one of his defense mechanisms. And it's so clear. Like it's the way he delivers those lines. It's so clear that it's not what he means. Right. And that it and that it's something that he's saying because he wants to push the other person away most of the time. And I just think it's it's a beautiful way of showing his character and what like what his trauma did to him, which we'll talk about. Right. And he I mean he knows how to hit he knows how to hit right the, the yeah. most painful I mean you don't realize until episodes later but that line where run and tell your daddy to Alex at the time, I mean, you you know there's something, and you're you're like, wow, that's yeah. you know what a what a, a dick thing to say, and then you're like, what a dick thing to say later when you find out why. I mean, he's, I mean, it's absolutely a weapon. Well, I mean, and Garen doesn't necessarily come across as like a violent character, and so I think his his favorite weapon is his words. Absolutely, um, he knows exactly what to say right then. I mean, he is. And, you know, part of that, a lot of that is, I think, um, is also a younger brother thing that, you know, it may not be a physical thing, but they, that's how, that's how they try to do it and get under your skin is, is saying these sarcastic little quips. Um, I think the next little topic that we wanted to talk about was his Garen's relationship with trauma, which I think we could talk about for hours, really. It's so interesting that we get a full view of Garen as a character, as a child, you know, as a teenager, as an adult. It's it's interesting to be able to trace where his trauma began in his life all the way up until now. Um, and a lot of that, you know, as we just said, you know, is also tied with how he is with everyone in his life, that sarcasm, that wit, sort of a, a shield against all of that. And I know, Mick, you wanted to talk about his coping mechanisms and how he avoids things. Um, because, man, does he do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the trauma, baby. Right? Yeah. Um, 
well i have i have i do have a comment um to make on how they they've shown uh his trauma on on the show and well for those who don't know i'm a big black sales fan and he has a lot of parallels with um john silver and what they did on black sales was they didn't tell you what silver's trauma was so when we get to episode 10 when michael tells alex his story and all of that he doesn't actually say what happened to him like he's like it's just listing off the places that he went and it was like methods violent guy and the religious freaks so it was like mm, okay i can see what could have happened to him and some of it you see so like you you know he they try to exercise him which is i oh, no. i don't even know how to comment on that and you you see the hand and you see the trauma he goes through when he's when he's older but when it comes to his childhood the years he spent in foster care you don't actually know what happened to him well i mean you we did see that burn on his arm and that's a big yeah 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 and but except for that like you right. you can imagine what happened to him and i think it goes a long way to unless in season two they go back and you know and are more specific on what happened to him but i think that the viewer can imagine what happened to him like was like was he you know physically abused was it just psychological abuse was it sexual abuse like you know there's a lot of possibilities there that he doesn't specify and it's it goes a long way to leave it up to the audience to say okay like something horrible happened to him but we don't know exactly what so we can fill in the gaps to what happened to him which makes that worse as you don't know what yeah happened. exactly right. exactly well yeah. and i think we given you know it always reminds me of those horror stories about you know foster care in this country um you know you you hear these horrible things on the news and you can so you're building it up in your mind i mean, the moment he showed the burns on his arms like, I was just done because I that's not unheard of, especially in the South. I mean, exorcisms, I know that we, you know, sort of joke about them and they make movies about them. But that's mm-hmm. a thing here that still happens with super religious people. Um, and so to see the physical manifestation of that is, is extremely difficult um, because I've read horror stories of, of yeah. queer kids in the South being exorcised and, and going, you know, undergoing this physical abuse and it's just it's compounded because then we of course see the continuing trauma in his life um so it's not just that he went through it as a child but then we get to trace his trauma through you know teenagehood with jesse mains and then the trauma he goes through with his mom and and other things in season one yeah and that that comment that you and um that the exorcism for gay kids and actually that's one of the things that i wrote down that a lot of his trauma isn't necessarily on the show isn't necessarily connected to him being queer but it is queer coded so like the exorcism was about him having powers but it's there's a history of queer people going through the same thing and then the him being homeless and well the gay like the gay bashing or the shut scene that that's the most explicit one that's just because he's queer you know but there there are a lot of things that aren't necessarily on the show about him being bi but they're connected to it as well like if you read into the metaphor that's what it connects to so i think 
it's really hard to talk about honestly mm. <laughs> like right <laughs> i don't know why it, it wasn't so hard to talk about alex's trauma for me at least i don't know why it's so hard to talk about michael's well and i think it's for me it's the reason that it's more difficult and also easier to talk about michael in general is my own trauma my own coming out issues i understand bisexual people and I understand that sort of pain of coming out and, and you know, trauma mm-hmm. in your childhood, which no one wants to hear about. But it does, you know, I, 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 I understand him on a level that maybe I don't necessarily understand other characters. So I think it makes it easier and harder to talk about him, yeah. um, especially especially adult Michael. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot that, you know, we there's been fandom discussion of, you know, sort of ignoring Michael's faults and, and, and I hope that I don't do that, but I do know that I have to take a step back and realize that because I identify with him so much, I do have to pay attention to that. Not, and you know, not always just immediately jump to defense. You have to be able to, to, to criticize in the same way you would any other character. One thing that's hard for me, um, that I've had to address with my own self is that I feel and, you know, I want this to be an open and honest discussion. And part of that is is fandom. You know, we have to sort of talk about that. That's how we met. That's what we're in. Is the willingness of people to talk about Alex's trauma and, and use that um, and talk about his current personality and his current situation through the filter of that trauma. And I don't think the same thing is afforded to Michael. No, it isn't. Um, there's been a lot of times where I've read things on Tumblr or Twitter that, you know, his trauma is erased or, 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 you know, reduced in a way that we wouldn't do to Alex. And I think that we do well to remember that these are both characters that have been through immense amounts of trauma is the assumption. Obviously we don't have details like we talked about earlier, but their entire childhood as a teenager, as an adult, this is their, their parallel lives. And I think that when you can't really talk about Michael without talking about his trauma. Yeah. I think it uh I think it comes from partly from not seeing all of it and also him not openly talk about talk about it because Alex has dealt with it in some way. I, we don't know if he went to therapy like but he's dealt with it. Like he is a point in his life where he's conscious of what happened to him and he knows how to, how to address it with himself and with other people and we see that on screen and with Michael we don't see it like he hasn't dealt with his trauma in any way and I think that he tends to he doesn't want to distance himself from his past but at the same time he doesn't want to deal with it so it's it's hard I think it's hard to for people to empathize with him because we don't see him reasoning his trauma on screen right I, you know, I, there's sort of jumping all over the place, which is fine. Um, I, there's something to be said for someone who goes through trauma and then want, there is no right way to get over trauma, right? Therapy works for some people. Other things work for other people. There is no, there is no box that you can get in that will fix it. And I know that a Mm -hmm. lot of people were upset, especially in the finale with what he was trying to do is sort of ostrich his way out of it, right? Um, stick yeah. his head in the sand and, and, you know, move forward. And that's how you're going to get past your trauma. The chances of that working are probably pretty slim. <laughs> but yeah. that is his coping mechanism and what he thinks he needs versus what other characters who've gone through trauma, what they think they need. It's just as valid, even if it's not effective in the end. I know the finale, 
<laughs> caused a lot of issues, but I understand his need to put it in the past. I, you know, my own personal trauma, I had to yeah. just draw, you know, a line through it and just be like, this is before, <clears throat> this is after. And I can't keep going back to it. Um, if I start crying in this podcast, I swear to God. Um, I can't go back into it because I won't be able to move forward. And I think that that's what he's trying yeah. to do. And I think we're going to see that's not very successful for him. <laughs> but, you know, I get I get it. I don't think it's going to be successful mostly because he only sees the trauma. Like he sees nothing else when it comes to like, I, I'm assuming we're talking about Alex and Michael here and he doesn't see anything else. Right. And he... I think to fully go forward and leave the trauma and deal with his trauma, he'll need to realize that sadness and, you know, what happened to them and what happened to him is not the only thing that, he, that there is there in their relationship. Like, there, there are good things. And I think that Alex is there mentally and Michael is not there yet. Also because, like, he literally just saw his mother die. So like, I, I want to take a moment to reframework the finale. It is 24 hours mm -hmm. since Michael watched his mother blow up. Yeah. I mean, literally a day later. And yeah. so, I mean, if we can just possibly empathize with someone who has gone through trauma his entire fucking life, excuse my language, and then now has watched a parent that he has lost literally blow up in front of him. I mean, that is, I, I just think we tend to forget that um, when the framework of especially the finale yeah and it's heartbreaking too because like i i genuinely don't think that he wants to blame alex for it like i don't think that he logically think that alex is guilty of those th those things but in the show how they show it to us is he is doing that like subconsciously he is because every time he talks about it it's always Alex Mays' father. Mm -hmm. It's never Jesse Mays. They're never two separate entities. It's always Alex's father. And Alex is always there. So I don't think he's reached a point where he can separate those two. Mm -hmm. And of course, he's going to see only his trauma in his relationship with Alex because he hasn't separated Alex from his dad. Well, and imagine you your, your first experience um, with, with coming out or exploring that part of you is then tied to the father of the person that you're with. I mean, that is, your mind is never, not never, but isn't going to be able to untangle it for a long time, especially if right after that traumatic event, Alex is then gone for the majority of a decade. So in your mind, all you have is to deal with that trauma essentially alone, actually alone. He didn't tell anyone what actually happened to him. Um, and so in his mind, it is going to become one and the same. It is, he's going to, Alex is going to be tied to all of this. And I don't, I mean, even if logically he knows that it isn't really, it, it's all Jesse Mains, and, his, you know, his mind is going to constantly, yeah. in, you know, conflate the two. Well, and Alex is the only one who knows mm -hmm. everything that happened. And even though it's not Alex's fault, like, why wouldn't he kind of connect the two? Yeah, and there's also the fact, like you said, Alex is the only one who was there for those two specific dramas, and seeing the tendency that Michael has to either make up stories about how his trauma happened or humor it away, he can't do that with Alex because Alex was there. So he knows 
what happened and he knows Michael can make up a story about it. He can use sarcasm to get himself out of it. So those two specific instances of trauma, I, I get it. Like he can't use his coping mechanisms to get out of it. So like, oh. <laughs> Mick's going to have a breakdown. <laughs> I know. I wish you guys could see this video. I'm, I'm genuinely about to cry, guy. Oh, can... Well, I think this is a very interesting transition then because we talked about Michael's trauma with Michael and, and he can't really hide it from Michael, but he can and does with everyone else. And it's not that he yeah. does, but also that they let him do that. Yeah. That in no point in time in that decade has someone really questioned what happened to his hand. Mm-hmm. That it's that mm-hmm. affected by the story, this very weak story that yeah. he gave. I mean, I, I, that is the most, most unfathomable part of season one. That no one saw this massive change in Michael overnight in high school. Because obviously he was a bright kid, you know, headed for college and had plans. And then all of a sudden has this event and no one questioned it. That is insanely hard to believe for me. Yeah. And also like the way to talk about it after is like, it's always his fault that he never said anything. You know, Max does that. Max does that all the time. Like the bunker scenes in episode 11, um... I love them and I hate them. I hate them. I really do. Like, let's leave the coming out for later. But um, the scene about his hand and it's always like, oh, you never told me the truth, you know. And You never asked. (laughs) You know, mayhaps there's a reason for that, Max. Um, And also, oh, my God, the when he goes, um, I share all your Trump, like whatever he says. I hate him. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the episode, you know, it was so beautiful for the coming out, like we'll talk about in a minute. Um, I think yeah. with that, that whole conversation is, it's one of those instances where I know what they were trying to get Max to do, right? I know they were trying to have this bonding moment between brothers. But Max having gone through, you know, the, the death of Rosa, I mean, obviously that's a, that's a traumatic event mm-hmm. in his own childhood. But... Given the way that his childhood was versus Michael and Michael's history, having someone say to a trauma victim, but I feel your pain and and everything that happened, everything that happened to you happened to me. No, the fuck it didn't. That scene would a lot more if we had seen that Max gave a shit about what Michael was going through at any point. Exactly. Yeah. When And also the fact that Michael had just tried to tell him you know, like you were the one who decided how we were going to deal with the trauma, but you had someone to go to. I didn't. And then Max turns it back on, on Michael and he's like, oh, you've been mad at me for 20 years because they adopted me. And you know, yeah, fuck. Yeah, he's bad. Like, you know, he has a right to be. Even if it's even if it's not logical to be mad at some. It's not, it, it, yeah. <laughs> again. It's okay that he is. It's not, it, what Michael needed at that moment was more of a. I mean, he just needed someone to listen. He didn't need. It's like those people that you go to to vet your problems, and all they do is tell you about their own problems. Yeah. It's like actually all he needed was a, a brotherly support and bond. You know, he didn't. He didn't need this sort of mm-hmm. false sympathy. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that, you know, like I said, that could have been a beautiful scene in that bunker if Max had Michael just to listen, just to support him. But the only time we even saw that was in that camping scene when they were kids and he seemed to kind of be concerned of what Michael was going through. But that was the last time we saw anything. You know, I mean, Isabel and Max had to have known that Michael was sleeping in his truck as a teenager, that he was homeless, that he'd been going through all this. And honestly they don't seem to care yeah i mean i can see it being him being proud and not accepting help mm-hmm. but i would have loved to have seen at least like them because the only thing that we see and it's not explicit if is that they bought him lunch or dinner whatever it was when when they go into the crash down and they're like oh you're not going to prom and like max just ordered three burgers or something three meals so we like my mind went oh they're buying for michael too but that's the only thing like you don't see anything else and they do have a lot of conversations about it and you're just like Mm -hmm. is the only person that cares alex like is the only person who cares alex is the only one who does something for him you know he gives him a place yeah for better he gives him and he gives him just this almost like undivided attention that I just don't think he gets from other people. I mean, the, the, that whole, this is why episode 10 is one of my favorite episodes, because that entire conversation where they're sitting outside of the Airstream and, and Alex is, you know, I want to know about you. Tell me about you. Um, because has anyone done that for Michael Guerin at any point? <laughs> no, you can see his face. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa. You want to know about me? Right. And how, I mean, he's, yeah. He's in his late 20s, and here he has someone in front of him asking, how are you? Tell me about you. This shouldn't be a revelation. This shouldn't be something that's that's new or, or feels strange. This should be, he should have a support system that's, that's more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it also, it also connects, I think, to how he deals with his trauma. And he, this is one of the things that always gets me about Michael, is that he lets other people define him. He, he doesn't right. have a definition of himself, I don't think. Like, he went from having a plan for himself in high school. Right. I wanted to get out of town and whatever. And he couldn't do that. So we assume that he was homeless for another unknown period of time until he found their stream, you know, and a job or whatever. And he didn't have anyone there to support him because like Max's attention was unusable, of course. And he like on top of dealing with the trauma of having to cover up murders and having like Alex leave in the shed scene and all of that, he had to take care of Isabel as well. And there's also the fact that he came from being homeless and the foster kid, which everybody knew in town. And I think that how he ends up 10 years later is exactly what the stereotype of a foster kid like someone mm-hmm. who ages out of the system is and he falls right. into that because he, he doesn't have a super system so he falls into the place that was basically created for him and he, he does that as a coping mechanism like the, the drinking the fighting is all of it is just a way of he, he doesn't know how else to fit into the town because he, he, he was thinking of leaving. Right. Well, it reminds me, I like that question that your, that, that your friend had about, um, you know, him being a blank canvas for others. 
you know, yeah. to project a personality. So, you know, Gabe on Tumblr brought that up. And I think that that is, he's very willing to just be whatever everyone else wants him to be. And, and that really hasn't been an issue. I mean, he lets, he doesn't let people see his genius in a way or, you know, how his mind works until, you know, and, and people just sort of accept that. And what I liked about um, is Liz is actually one of the ones that kind of called it out when she came back, you know, um, and, and Alex too, but she was like, you, you know, Mac, uh, Michael was so smart. Why is he still here? And she brought it up multiple times um, that it was interesting that those were the two characters that I felt like could still, were, were actually questioning what happened in the last decade versus just accepting it like Max and Isabel, I think did. As, as Liz just kind of clocking it going, this doesn't make any sense. Why is he still here? Something must have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but then again, she does that in the pilot and she does it in episode eight uh, where she, she actually tells him, well, you're a genius. Like, you, sh- you, you must have right. something. But she says, you didn't go to college because they couldn't teach you what you wanted to learn. And that's not the point. Like, you know, Max just told you what happened and why he didn't go to college. I, I genuinely believe, like, from seeing Michael and right. his reaction to getting the scholarship, I genuinely believe that he, he, he didn't give two fucks about the fact that he probably would have known already what they were going to teach him. Right. He just wanted to get out. And he wanted to get out and he wanted that experience. I mean, he, yeah. he had had an entire life of, of not being stable having, you know, being able to go to college would provide him with, you know, a more normal experience in his mind. I mean, uh, you know. And a house, probably. And a house, Mm -hmm. right. And and the ability to just, to to just be a normal 18-year-old kid, 17-year-old kid, and not have to deal with the weight of the world on his shoulders. And that is why it's so remarkable to me that no one questioned why that kid who was Mm -hmm. so excited turned into the character we see in the drunk tank in, in the pilot. As far as we know. I mean, they, there's been really no indication. Well, with Max and Isabel, I think that they accept that because it's easier. Except that Michael is this drunk screw-up than the fact that the choices that, that they made have affected Michael's life for the worse. While they kind of moved on and you know Isabel got a rich lawyer husband and Max and they have these kind of more stable lives and Michael got the shit end of it I think from Isabel's side it also I kind of understand it more because we see her trying a little more with Michael and also because for most of season one she thinks that Michael killed the three girls well Max knows what actually happened so for me to see Max not even trying to empathize with Michael, mm-hmm. like it hits deeper than Isabel, you know, kind of leaving him be because she thinks he murdered three people. So like, and I think Isabel didn't, you know, as we've talked about before, she had that perfect persona in the beginning of the the series, and I think mm-hmm. she just didn't want to do anything to upset that. I mean, she, you know, she had a sort of plan for her life. And having a fuck up younger brother was just it. I mean, exploring it any deeper than that and trying to figure out why would have disturbed and did disturb this sort of perfect life she had for herself. Um, I yeah. I do a, I value the way that Isabel treats Michael because, you know, even the criticisms aside, yeah. giving him some softness and, you know, and some 
and some companionship when he needed it, I think was really, you know, the, the hugs, ah, <laughs> you know, I spent, I spent the whole series, just somebody give Michael Karen a hug, just somebody. <clears throat> and finally, you know, you know, Isabel did, and it was, uh, you know, such a small thing, but I think it was the softness that Michael needed. Yeah. I think it, we should talk about the most important part of when we talk about Garen's trauma is um, the issues with the finale with his hand. Because I think that's, you know, too big of a part of the finale and what could be of season two. Um, because we've watched him go through all of this trauma. Um, and then, you know, in the finale, Max forced this healing on him. And I think in Michael's mind at that moment, it might have been a chance, you know, whether or not he was correct. Oh, I can start over now. But that's exactly what it meant. Like this physical reminder of my trauma. Maybe, maybe that's what I needed and I can, I can move on from it. I think he's very wrong, but I get, you know, that moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this that scene is still really hard for me to watch, and I just gifted, and I cried mm-hmm. gifting it because it, it just heartbreak. Like, especially since we just saw Michael tell mm-hmm. Max what happened, and knowing that Max knows what, what it means to him, um, and I get it, his power high, and it has all these savior ideas about himself at the time, but he's literally taking agency away from Michael and doing so, like it's non consensual. Right. Like he, Michael is literally crying for him not to do it, and he does it anyway. And it's like, well, I, I don't think, I, I really don't think that it's about people noticing for no. him. Like, I don't think it. I mean, of course he cares because he cares about the secret and everything, but... Um, mm-hmm. But actually, not really. I mean, he said multiple times, not that he wants to tell everyone, but I think he's, you know, that was always for Max and Isabel versus himself, you know, the keeping the secret or whatever. Yeah, but I'm, I, it's also the, the easiest thing, I think, to cover up. Right. Like, we already saw from the pictures that came out beyond the scenes of season two that he's going to just wrap it up, and that's it. Um, and no one's gonna notice that. That feels like a great solution. <laughs> no, no one's gonna notice. <laughs> I mean, that to be to be honest, though, that sounds like a Garen style oh solution. God, so yeah. it's very right. in keeping with the character. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I think that the forced healing, like he need, I think he still needs the reminder. And I don't think that it's as easy as saying I don't have the scars anymore, right. and mm-hmm. I magically don't remember what happened to me well but i'm saying i think that's what he he thinks like i don't i i know that that's not a healthy way of dealing with your trauma but i think in that moment once the shock of it was over i think that it would make perfect sense for him in that heightened state that he's in he has max's energy he's 24 hours out from watching his mom die they just talked about being happy maybe all of that that you know maybe in that moment um that's that was a oh this is a chance for me to to move past it i you know what i don't personally like in the show and i'm I'm wondering what they're going to do in season two is i don't like that both alex and michael's like physical manifestation of of trauma and events in their life have now been erased Mm -hmm. yeah alex with the you know with the the prosthetic you know it's still there obviously but i yeah unless it's going to be highlighted again you don't really see it i mean i think sarah said the last time that if you didn't know you would you wouldn't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yeah a casual a casual viewer would not know that alex is disabled right right exactly um and so then you know that then for the same thing to happen to michael again these sort of parallel Mm -hmm. lives um is you know 
the, that makes that scene just incredibly hard to watch. And I think they're going to address it because I, you know, again, about the show not being subtle, there is the scene where he's playing the car at, at the pony. Yeah. And his hand, it seems like it's aching. Like he has to squeeze it and kind of work it out. And so I think that it's not going to be this simple, like it's healed and it's done and we move on. Well, part of that, he also, he hasn't used it in that manner in, in so long that I think it was just, just sort of mm-hmm. showing that this is a whole new thing that he hasn't done in a decade. I thought that, you know, visually that was really, a, was kind of a beautiful addition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like the first thing I thought uh, watching the, that scene is that like like he, he's stretching it to say like whoa this is really my hand right like you know because he's still coming to terms with it and but I would love to see like I don't know maybe because we see him in um, chronic pain during like the season mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times and I would love to see that scene be a thing for him mm-hmm. because like the scars may have been healed but we don't know like how that words like and maybe like the i mean just the psychological trauma of of having uh, a broken hand for 10 years and like i I think i would love to see him having to adjust to having a healed hand during season two i don't know if we're gonna get it but right yeah yeah i hope we do um i like that question that we got on twitter uh from malik's nm um, so they wanted to know how we think Michael really feels about Max healing his hand. And I think that's an interesting question because like Mick said, we saw him say no, but now any anger that he might have over it is going to be probably erased by the fact that Max is dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's going to sort of overshadow anything that really happened between the two of them in the finale. So I can foresee him not really having a chance to be angry or deal with it. And there's going to be mm. so much that gets in that way. Yet again, something that Michael pushes to the back burner. Yeah. Once again, Mike can't deal with his trauma because of somebody else's trauma and somebody, something else going on, you know, because we, we all can imagine how um, Isabel is going to react to Max being dead. And I feel like, you know, anything that happens, you know, Michael, his instinct is to push his own issues aside to deal with whatever's going on with the people that he cares about because I think you know he's one of those people that there's not a whole lot of people in the world that he cares about but if he cares about you like that's it done you're you're important and at the at the detriment to himself like yeah. he's not gonna have a chance to address trauma yet again because of Max and Isabel well and also I think it's very much in character with Garen to not want to I mean you know, it's outside of also caring for other people. I mean, I think in his yeah. mind, what he's been doing for the past, you know, his whole life is working for him. I mean, it's not. Good job, Garen. But I think in his <laughs> mind, he thinks that if he just, you know, buries it, ignores it, you know, he doesn't really want to face what any of that means. And and he does that by, mm-hmm. it's not just Max or Isabel and Liz or whoever that might need him later in season two because of what happened with Max. It's also because he uses it as an excuse to not deal with his own trauma because it's, mm-hmm. you know, well, I mean, I can't really take a look at myself if I really need to be here for Isabel. Well, you, you shit, you need to do both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you can do both. Yeah. And that's, um, again, we, we got some really good questions for this episode. Like, we did. Um, <laughs> and again, so Gabe is my friend and he and I have 8 a.m. conversations about Michael trauma all the time. But yeah, I said this and I talk about this with him before about Michael seeing himself as expendable and sacrificing mm-hmm. himself 
like at the detriment of himself for other people and i i keep every time i think about it i think about the scene in the pilot where mike max is like you you've you've never done anything for, for other people whatever he says right. and you know he's done a lot of things for a lot of people like right starting from when he was what age were they 14 in, in the camping scene Something like that. I mean, early teenagers or late preteens. Yeah, something yeah. Like that. and he buried someone to protect his siblings. Right. And, well, of course, the shut scene. And, like, in the same night, again, he covered up a murder. Um, like, he keeps doing it. And, and, and he, does it, he does it with a quickness. Like, he doesn't yeah, even yeah, think yeah. about it. In both of those events, I mean, it is seconds after it happens... Max is like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm burying a body. Like, it was just, how obvious can yeah, I be? Duh. Duh. You know, and it, it, because I think that his first instinct is always to protect. And his first instinct is to be a little, uh, to be a little selfless in, in that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can argue that he's also selfish in other ways. But I think his, I think at his heart, his first instinct is to, is to help those he cares about. And I, I think we've seen that multiple times. Yeah, and it, it by the end of the season, I think he gets to a point where he's borderline suicidal with it. Like, the prison scene, like, he's literally saying, I am staying here, I'm not moving, I do not care if I blow up with all of these people. So, right. like, and at that point, I was so glad that Alex was there to say, mm-mm, nope. You're not doing that. You're coming with me. This is like, no. Right. I will get you out of here. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm heartbroken for him because he couldn't get, you know, aside from his mom, like all of the other people, which he basically, I think, is considered family because they were like him. And that's a lot of people that blew up, you know. That's a lot of people to have on your conscience mm-hmm. because I do think that he will blame himself for all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. And I, I generally think that it's just the culmination of his instincts to protect people and put other people first and put himself in the background of saying, we will deal with this and whatever happens to me, I'll deal with it later. Well, and also part of it is I, I don't think his, his self-worth is very, is very high at this point in oh, his no. life. If it ever has been. I mean, a lifetime of instability and, and abusive you know, foster parents and, uh, you know, all these events. I mean, there's, I would be very shocked if he actually had, you know, a a sense, a high sense of self-worth. I mean, most of it, like we've said before, is he covers all of that up with that swagger thing. Um, Because I I think in his mind, he he is someone that people leave and he isn't worth anyone staying for. Which is why I see what they were going for with all like the banter that he has with most characters um but i generally hate most of the quips that they that they you know that they use um when they talk about him and with him um like even isabel like i get maria because maria as always like that's the persona that she has to deal with you know like he's a drunken at her bar like that's the person that she knows and so i kind of get maria's banter with him and i also get that he doesn't seem to be affected by people you know making these comments about him but i think that looking at his history of abuse and exactly what you said that he doesn't have 
much self-worth and I, I just think it piles up and he internalizes it and it, and he's like oh you see like people people say you know I'm a drunkard I'm you know this riffraff and that's what he puts his work on to be and you know it's interesting a very interesting thing to watch is how Michael responds when a lot of people make comments about him and that sort of smile that he gets yeah. or that attitude he gets versus when Alex points out something about himself that he doesn't really like. Like when Alex calls him a criminal or, you know, it's it's his reactions are completely different. You know, when when Maria teases him and, and does sort of their banter, it's sort of a flirtatious because Michael's very much playing a role with Maria in a way yeah. that will be interesting to see in season two. Um, I mean, she doesn't know very much about him in that, you know, and I think that he values that. He wants someone that doesn't know him that well. Um, but the minute that that's why part of the reason he and Alex don't really have that banter because Alex isn't willing to put him down for laughs in that same way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the comments that he makes is because he he's just reacting to what he sees. Right. You know, like exactly. the the mm-hmm. meth thing and the criminal thing. Like he's just reacting to something that he's seen in that moment. It's just it isn't trying to put him down because of this persona that he sees. He's reacting to specific events. You know, and what I love about his relationship with Alex um, is that the moment that he knows what happened to him, he stops doing that entirely. Right. Mm-hmm. Like episode twelve is generally like the softest that Alex has ever been with Michael aside from, you know, high school. I think I, I think at the end of the day the narrative is and I'm wow am I gonna anger some people when I say this, but I think that the narrative at the end of the day has been that Alex sees Michael in a way that other people don't, and that includes everyone on the show. And that, you know, there is a purpose for that, however you want to, you know, look for it. But it is very clear that that, that's the whole point, is that Alex gets a part of him, or sees a part of him, or Michael opens himself up in a way that he doesn't with other people. And I think that that's going to continue. And I think if, if we're headed for what we think we are in season two, with sort of a little breakdown for Michael, or, or some intense emotional, I think that that's going to, probably continue um that alex is again going to be the only one that he that can really see him or he's willing to open up to yeah which is why at the end of the day alex's comments hit deeper than anyone else's like you're the person that i feel like that i can be vulnerable with and you think this about me which Mm -hmm. is the same thing that everyone else thinks but i do i don't want you to think that this is who i am and you can see that like there are some parallels with Alex and Maria saying basically the exact same things. Right. Um, so like the criminal thing, she says something similar and and then this isn't going to happen again. And when Alex says that, Michael is like, I just, I need, like he needs a minute to, to be like, I need to come up with something, <laughs> you know? And with Maria is like, yeah, you know, whatever, like whatever you say. And probably part of it is because he doesn't, believe maria and he does believe alex when he says like i think he believes genuinely believes that alex doesn't want it to happen again and maria with maria it's more like yeah whatever you say you know we know it's gonna happen again right it's not just that though it's that i mean he likes maria 
but he doesn't love Maria. He loves Alex. And so when you, when there's somebody that you care yeah. about, you know, like that hurt on his face, Alex called him a criminal at the drive-in. You know, he's been called a criminal for the last 10 years and, and it doesn't phase him, but it affects him when Alex says it because he loves Alex. Yeah. Right. And I, you know, I think their, you know, their vulnerability, and we'll talk about more of this when we actually have the Alex episode, but, you know, their vulnerability is, you know, their, their vulnerability with one another is something that, you know, I think has been, it's probably one of the most interesting things to watch about the show so far, um, is these two characters who aren't really vulnerable at all have been vulnerable mm-hmm. with one another. I mean, it's sort of a tropey thing, but it has worked out really well, um, and it's, that's the best part to watch. Um, actually, this is a, you know, we, we want to talk about Garen's bisexuality anyway. And so we're, we're sort of heading in that territory. So I think that, you know, uh, just a short, you know, couple minutes about his sexuality. <laughs> we don't have, um, we don't have any opinions on bisexuality on this. No, podcast. we have no notes on this. Um, you know, I think it was a bold choice to have, uh, Michael Garen as a bisexual character and not just a bisexual character, but one who has said that he's a bisexual character. Yeah. It's not one of those, yeah. well, I'm fluid or I'm open or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, and this, it is, it's so exciting and, and meant a lot to me to see him actually say the words, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I want him to say it every episode forever. I mean, obviously he won't, but I want him to open every conversation with hi, I'm Michael Guerin. I'm bisexual. I'm bisexual. <laughs> um, you know, and I think, one part about season one is that that moment with Max in episode 11, whatever, has been um, episode whatever. <laughs> it's when, you know, I'm bisexual, Max. It's not that complicated. The reason that was so powerful is because we see him outed. And this is in our notes to really talk about. We see him outed multiple times. You know, whether it's, you know, Jesse coming into the shed or it's, you know, Maria telling Liz, you know, there's different levels. But he's, you know, but to see him actually come out and say it um, Mm -hmm. was extremely powerful. Yeah. And I really appreciate that they gave him a label, um, despite the fact that we don't really see, like, I'm not saying, but of course, there's no uh, quota of people you have to be with, you know, of either sex to be to identify as bi but we do see him um only with alex when it comes to men so i like that they gave him a label anyway because you know you don't really it's not necessary to be like i've been with 10 men so i i can identify as bi and even if it is just alex which we don't know because they haven't talked about it right well i mean and and we i mean we've seen him with an equal amount of men and women (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we yeah. don't, you know, this assumption and this headcanon and, and from what he said, and, you know, we saw him flirt in the pilot. We've seen him in a sexual situation or a, that sort of situation with exactly one man and exactly one woman. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and, and he could have neither of those things and still be bisexual. I mean, he, you know, yeah, and, exactly. and yeah. my, you know, my fear is that my fear always was that he was just going to be. Alex sexual when it came to men, right? Mm-hmm. And that it was going to be that sort of vague, you know, whatever when it comes to Alex. But the fact that he said it, 
means that for me personally, and this is not me talking for all bisexuals, but for me personally, the fact that he said it means I never have to see, I don't think the show has any need to prove it to me in any mm-hmm. way, like visually. I don't need to yeah. see him with however many people check, you know, two women and then a man, you know, I, but the fact that he said it, that's enough. That's, that's identifying. Um, and that, cause that's more, that's more than I thought we were going to get. Well, and I appreciate that we won't probably that because it's into that stereotype that all bisexuals are, you know, easy and loose and just kind of go off with whoever because they just, not there's anything wrong with that, but there's definitely that idea there that, you know, he's having a lot of, lot you know, that comment he made in the pilot about lots of casual sex and whatever, and I'm glad that we haven't seen that but yet he still identifies as bisexual well and you know i think that because of the way that it's set up the chances are we're probably i mean the, you know with the love triangle or whatever the chances are we're just going to see him with either alex or maria and that's sort of you know and i think one one thing that i really um we touched on this a little bit in actually the first episode but what i really liked about um the episode six with michael realizing that like hey i'm not that straight or not as straight as I thought I was is that there's a relatively short period of time between that realization and then moving forward for it, you know. But do you think, do you think that that was his bisexual awakening? I think that that was a moment of, I don't know. I, I, and this might be projecting my own self onto Michael. I think that was just a moment of realizing that he's not heterosexual. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think it was a moment in time where he was putting a label on it or that concerned. I think it was just a moment of like, Alex is a dude. I'm very much attracted to him. You know, you don't really see that panic for very long when usually that's sort of drawn out, you know, in Mm -hmm. this never ending cycle of, you know, panic. So maybe him being an alien kind of helped temper that, that by panic. Oh yeah. He's already another, like he Mm. already knows that he's not, you know, he already knows that he's been, he's, he's an other with a capital O. And so I don't, I think he's more willing and, and it comes a little mm-hmm. bit easier for him to, to, to grasp because he knows that you know, he understands that there is a binary and that there is mm-hmm. this sort of ridiculous boxes that we put people yeah. into. And he, he realizes he already doesn't fit. So it would make sense that he wouldn't fit in this way. Um, you know, I know there was a big issue over um in episode seven with michael saying um it's just him he screws me up or uh-huh. whatever um and karina if you ever listen just know that we disagree <laughs> with the we with the way that that line landed because i think that that was a moment where i was a little bit afraid that that was going to be the alex sexual part of it right yeah. it's just him it's just he's the exception to all these rules but I don't think that that's how it landed. If I think that was Karina's intention, but I think it was just him saying, "This this person affects me in a way other people don't." Right, exactly, and that's sort of because that you know when I first heard that line, I was like, "Ooh, please don't do that with a bisexual character," uh, because at that point he obviously hadn't identified. But by the time that he identified and used bisexual both times, I went back and reassessed that line, and I was like, "Bullshit." That's not what that line means, and that's not what it. That's not how he's playing that character. Yeah, I mean, I always read it as both things because to that point we don't know that he had come out to Max. So um, Max, being who he is, um, I do I do see Karina's uh, interpretation of that line, but I also like my first reaction to it was that he he was saying Alex affects me in a way that other people don't. 
Right. But also, um, I think that as seeing him only be with Alex and only being with Maria, I think we see, and I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but we only see him, his sexuality insofar as it comes to people he's with. So we never see him actually, apart from identifying as bi, we don't see him talk about it in you know a, a deeper way that's not like saying I'm bi. We see Alex talk about you know sexuality in a way we, we don't see Michael, we haven't seen Michael do yet. Right. And I would love to see him, them, them go a little deeper with it. My fear is that the show thinks that identifying is, the, is it. Yeah. Right, so that once he's identified, we don't ever have to talk about it again. Whereas in reality, his coming out and coming to terms with his sexuality is again tied to trauma. Yeah. And so to not talk about it again, which I I would hope that they would, you know, however they're going to do it, but to not talk about it again, I think would be a very big miscalculation and part of of exploring Garen's character because they are so intimately linked with one another, um, with Alex and his sexuality. So without this becoming, you know, the Malik's episode, because we do want to spend um, quite a bit of time on, we'll have an entire, you know, episode talking about his romantic relationships outside of this one. We don't want it to sort of dominate. Um, but I do want to talk about the finale um, because I think that there's, there's, it's an important part of, of being bisexual, right? That there is a, mm-hmm. an assumption of how queer are you? Are you queer enough? Right? So are you, you know, if you're in a male-female relationship, if you're, you know, whatever relationship that you're in, colors how people, how queer people think that you are. Mm-hmm. So when Matt, when Michael is with Alex, obviously, he's a very queer relationship. It's two men. Um, but I've seen a lot of discussion on Twitter and Tumblr that Michael being with Maria is a het relationship mm-hmm. or is, you know, him being straight or, you know, fill in the blank. And I would like to say, as a bisexual woman in a relationship with a man, that that is one of the most offensive things that I have seen. That, again, you know, I think coming out as bisexual means that you realize that you're not straight enough for some people and you're not queer enough for some people. And then to see that discussion is is extremely painful. Um, because we don't get to erase Michael's sexuality just because they're, he's not with a man. Yeah. That's unf- unfair and, and also not true. I mean, you know, there's a lot of biphobia in the queer community and awful to see, you know, but when I was in a relationship with a man, I remember going to Pride and being told that I wasn't wasn't welcome there. I wasn't welcome in that sphere because I wasn't because I wasn't queer enough. And you see that a lot with Michael when it comes to how the fandom reacts. to Right. And I think it's very and, you know, I think obviously Michael and Maria or any, you know, male and female um, relationship where one or both are, you know, are, are not straight. Obviously, to the outside world, yes, that is um, pro- an, an easier existence. You know, people look at you and they see a straight couple and it's not really an issue in the same way. Um, so I will say that that is, you know, I can get, I can understand that, that when my husband and I are out door, you know, walking hand in hand outside to everyone else, you know, we are a straight couple and that's just how it is. Um, but to hear, you know, people who identify as bisexual 
or to read it or to see it <clears throat> talking about their Michael and Maria's relationship in the way that I've seen is a little disheartening because mm-hmm. it's people in the community themselves and we're talking about Michael and Maria in this really offensive way that is does his sexuality a disservice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do hope that I will address it in canon, um, him being in a relationship he and Maria actually develop into a relationship. I do hope that I bring it up in some way. And I'm really tentative about this because I can see that it can go very, very wrong and it can go very, very right. So, um, well, this is the, yeah, this is the moment in time where we realize that it is, I don't know all of the writers on this show, but this is, this is straight people writing queer relationships and queer people. Yeah. And, and that is, um, a very delicate situation that makes me a little afraid. Um, you know, not necessarily the Michael and Maria or the Michael and Alex part of all of it, but the implications. Yeah. Right. Of, of taking my representation and putting it in the hands of straight people mm-hmm. is terrifying. Yeah. Um, I'm a little awful about it because I think Karina mentioned that they have five LGBT writers on the stuff this year. Good. Uh, yeah, and I, I thought there was at least some. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I know, I'm pretty sure that at least one bisexual writer is on the stuff this year. Um, so I'm I'm tentative, but um, I'm very hopeful. And um, I also I also think that a big part of it, it will, will come from Michael still being in the closet for the most part. So right. mm-hmm. I can see um, it being like, just kind of double standard of having Michael and Alex be the secretive relationship and Michael and Maria being able to have public displays of affection and all of that. And I can see that possibly being hard to represent correctly. Um, but do you think it's Michael not wanting, not willing to? No, 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 absolutely. No, I was I was thinking more of what, what the fandom perception of the two different relationships. Right. I, I do. I absolutely don't think that um, it's Michael that wants to it to be a secret. I, I do generally believe that it's Alex pushing for that, and I do think that uh, like the first three episodes, I think Michael was absolutely ready to be like, "Let's be together," you know. And then all of their relationship history builds up, and he's not like by the end of the season, he's not there anymore. But um, I don't know, like, because I, I go back and forth with him being ashamed of it, mostly because I don't, I don't know how to put this into words correctly, but um, the fact that he's still in the closet after 10 years, I think it, he connects his sexuality with Alex when it comes to men, and it connects mm-hmm. him with Alex so much that he doesn't necessarily think co- feel comfortable coming out as bi without talking about Alex. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um. Because I, I, every time I'm like, like he, he didn't even tell Max and Isabel from what we, we gather. Right. So I'm like, but he could have mentioned it. You know, like he could have come out mm-hmm. in those 10 years without mentioning Alex. Like it's not, I think for him, it's still, it's still so interconnected with Alex and how he feels about Alex that he can't really talk about it without bringing Alex into the mix. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you know, and a, another interesting thing that I know we talked a little bit about Max earlier is another thing that I find intriguing is that Max clearly knew about Alex yeah. since prom. And again, at no point in 10 years thought 
to talk about Michael's sexuality with him. Now, that might be the straight dude being uncomfortable talking about queerness or sexuality. I have no idea. But, it I mean, this is supposed to be his brother, right? It's it's someone, and and they've, you know, been through all these events with one another. Clearly, he's not straight. Now, the assumption is, and we don't know, but the assumption is that in this 10 years, he has exclusively been with women. Max, you know, never thought, like, huh, obviously something was going on back then. Michael changed overnight and now he's only with women. I find that so massively hard to believe. Well, I think that part of that is just that Max is by nature a very selfish character. Right. Like, yeah, okay, he knows about Alex, but then directly after that, he's focused exclusively on Isabel, we have to assume. And then, then he and Michael have this split and they aren't close anymore. And... Max is just selfish. Max is not going to mm-hmm. take that time, especially with somebody that he seems to be essentially estranged from. Right. Well, and you know what? Another thing that when it comes to Michael's sexuality is why is Isabel not surprised when he comes out in episode 11? Mm-hmm. Either that was the weirdest coming out scene ever or she knew beforehand, which is fine. Um, and then all of a sudden or he comes out to her, but she's so in what's going on with her that it maybe it doesn't really register in that. I moment. cannot imagine. I just, uh, so your brother coming out to you, that reaction is always, I just think was a little, it was, it was strange for me personally. Um, and then of course in, epi- in, in the finale, she brings up, you never want to talk about Alex Maines. I just, the, the writing was lost somewhere there for me. If, if Karina wanted me to believe that mm-hmm. Michael and Isabel had talked about this, that really at any point before then that did not come across at all. And I think that was very strange. It is. It is weird. Yeah, it is weird. I just, you know, I want our our only bisexual character <laughs> to be able to come out to a supportive environment. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we've seen him come out in a supportive environment yet. I mean, I, I guess you could call the Isabel scene supportive, if not very strange. But he has yet to be able to come out and, you know, it just be, you know, the, the kind of scene that he sort of deserves as, as coming to terms with his sexuality. And I don't think he's ever going to get that because now he's been outed multiple times. Yeah, exactly. I, I wrote about this because I'm angry about this and I've been angry since the season aired. Oh, I'm angry with you. Let's talk about it. And the fact that he, he has no control about his own narrative when it comes to him coming out to people except we assume with Isabel but but then again if we are to assume that she already knows his agency was taken away from him yet again you know and the two times we see him coming out let's say voluntarily um both people react like they already know like Max reacts because he already knows and we know that uh but Isabel as well like we just said and then everyone else knows because is outed to them and now basically all their mm-hmm. friends group like all the mains in the show know about him and right. he didn't have any say in any of those scenes right i'm tired you know and, and this is gonna come out as a little of a, a tirade here and and this isn't this isn't anti like karina or anything like that it is i'm tired in a general sense of people's sexuality being something that other people think that they can just talk about or they can just drop a bomb about like yeah. that's not and I, I truly think that straight people would watch those scenes and not realize 
that Michael's being outed. Oh, absolutely. And how uncomfortable, how inappropriate, how offensive that is as a queer person. I mean, I, that, just angry. <laughs> just angry that because, you know, he, yeah. Maria did not have any right to tell Liz. Even Alex talking to Maria about it. I mean, it, you know. Well, he, okay, so the thing about Alex, I asked. Just because he's a queer character doesn't mean he gets to, you know. Yeah, but the scenes with him, like, with both Jenna and Kyle and with Maria, like, they figure it out because of nonverbal clues, which isn't the same as Maria saying to Liz, oh, you know, Gary is museum guy. You know, that's not the same. And also from a point of Alex actually being in a relationship with him for a long time and being a queer guy. And I think he tries real hard for a long time not to let people know yeah. because he doesn't want to out Michael. Right. And Maria like doesn't do that at all. Like she like the moment that she has someone to talk to it, she she goes and says, Michael Michael's not right. straight, you know, like that's what what she means. Right. And I think that's the dangers of now you know, there are I'm glad that there are queer writers on this show, but that's the danger of I think when there's a you know, more of a straight presence in the writing and producing of, of media because it's those little things that, you know, that scene is probably meant to be something completely different than how it is when you're a queer person yeah. and you watch. I think it's meant mm-hmm. to be a different kind of emotion. Um, I don't think you're meant to feel anger when you watch that scene. And maybe some people don't, you know, I, I, I'm sure that there are lots of people, you know, in fandom that don't get angry with that scene, but yeah. you know, no one has the right. I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't even recognize that Maria outed him to Liz in that scene until you guys pointed it out. And then I rewatched it and I'm like, oh, she really did. Didn't even register. And I think, I mean, of course it it hits differently for different people. And even in the queer community, like, I know that I don't react the same way that other bisexual people do to the exact same storyline, exact same scene. So um, it also comes down to that how affected you are by those scenes but um that one that one is really one that hits so hard for me and Mm -hmm. seeing her do it i i like maria i do and seeing her do so like completely offhandedly you know she just tells her you know like who cares and right like even the fact that maybe there's a reason that alex didn't tell you for 10 years who this this person was you know right. like that doesn't even cross her mind like the moment that she has an intimate relationship with michael she feels like she has the right to talk about it and she doesn't right <laughs> like that's the bottom line right exactly right and, and no one has the right i mean that would to me is is something like dropping you know telling someone about michael's trauma yeah in a casual in a casual manner i mean not that his sexuality is trauma but you know what i mean it's that it's that intimacy and those details that you don't have the right to tell other people especially because she hasn't talked to michael about it right well and there's also you know one of the worst tropes in tv and especially soap operas is the tendency of a third character sort of accidentally drop information about another character you know and it's enraging every time because that it's it's that trope is dead now it's it's overplayed it's done let people have agency over themselves and the information now it's tv it's a drama but there were other ways that i think liz could have figured out that you know there were other ways for for liz and maria to have that conversation yeah. if that was the end goal i think it could have been a lot more vague than it was also maybe just let alex tell liz or, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, 
all of it, <laughs> which I mean, I'm, like I said, it's a drama, but you know, it's uh, that, that conversation maybe could have also been something that Alex and Liz had versus, you know, putting Marie in that position to be the one to tell Liz anything like yeah. that. Yeah, but had Liz basically telling Alex, like, um, okay, yeah, but Maria has feelings for him, too, so you should just step aside and let them try to be happy. Like, you run the risk of having that kind of scene, and then Liz comes off as a bitch. But then again, I don't think that that was necessarily the advice that Liz was giving Maria. I think she was just, you know, yeah. I realized how that could have been maybe the logical way of putting that advice together. But then again... Before that, Liz asks, have you talked to Alex? So, like, she does she does have this connection of being like, hmm, maybe this is a conversation that you should have with Alex before doing anything, right. which she didn't, right. which is what I'm angry about. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and understandably so. You know, I the one of the tropes that I would love for to die is exactly what we saw in Roswell. <laughs> Let queer people come out on their own terms, you know, full stop. Yeah, and um, I see it, and I see every single scene where they, where Michael was outed, or where, like, even his coming out scenes. I do see the reality of it. I do, but at the same time, um, even the scene with Max gets me so angry because Michael's lines are awesome. Like his delivery of those lines is perfect. Right. But then. Max, who brought the subject up, by the way, he goes and says, Oma, if you told me, then I would have known. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, he's, again, it comes back to Max being selfish, but um, it also comes back to people you come out to thinking it's about them not knowing. And why didn't you tell me, you know, what did I do wrong? That it's not about you. Like, he had his reasons. He didn't tell you, like, you're his brother. He didn't tell you for 10 years, you know, and right. Michael doesn't get a chance to say right. why. Well, and I also, I mean, Max and Michael's relationship, you know, is an interesting by itself. But why would you want to be vulnerable and come out to someone who in the span of two episodes says, you are not my family, get off my property, you're not my friend, you know, all those things that he says. And then he turns right back around and says, it's just the three of us. We only have each other. Now, I get that he's upset over what happened with Liz, but the fact that with ease, he was willing and able to say to Michael, Mm -hmm. I, you know, basically shunning him, you are not my family. So how many times has he done that? Why is it so easy? How can you just say that? Mm -hmm. I don't care how angry you are. You don't tell someone that, especially not someone Mm -hmm. you know has gone through some shit in their life. Mm hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, why would he want to be vulnerable with you? Yeah. The assumption is he's probably heard that multiple times. He didn't, you know, or, or at least has that feeling. So why would he want to, you know, come out to you or, or tell you more about what happened in his life? Um, now, we've we've covered most of our notes. There are a couple of questions that we got on uh, Twitter and Tumblr that we mm-hmm. haven't quite addressed, and I want to make sure we get everyone's questions in. Um, so we have a couple of Twitter questions. Um, uh, one user, Murphy Vi, uh, was wondering why Michael doesn't get sick from using his powers, like Max and Isabel. She says, you know, he was able to move his airstream with Maria's necklace in his pocket. Is Michael more powerful than than Max and Isabel? I don't think that it, he's more powerful. I think he just uses his powers more, and so he has a higher tolerance. Right. Um, you know, 
you see Isabel has to practice to influence Liz the second time. I think it's because she just doesn't use her powers. And then I don't think Michael or I mean, Max uses them very often either. I think it just comes with regularity. And I think if we see Isabel and, you know, Max when he's not dead anymore, uh, use his powers more, I think that we'll see not have that same kind of reaction as severely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Right. He uses it in such a casual way mm-hmm. um, that I would imagine it'll be interesting to see what they do with their powers. I mean, ostensibly their powers mm-hmm. are changing from what we've seen at the the end of season one. I'm excited to see what that means for Michael specifically, like what, you know, what different powers or if they're going to start to be able to, to do the same powers that the yeah. others did or, mm-hmm. you know, Ooh, Michael with Isabel's power. Oh, <laughs> I know. I know. Right. That's a very intriguing idea to sort of be able to get into that mind space um, as someone who isn't willing to let other people into his, you know, mind. The you know the idea of him having that ability would be really interesting. I'd love to see him get to the mindscape with Jesse. Oh, oh, oh yeah. can actually let's rewind because at what point is Michael going to be able to confront Jesse Maines? Oh, I know, right? At what, at what point is Michael going to get to have his hit Jesse Maines in the face of the fucking crutch moment? Because this is the man who physically mm-hmm. assaulted and tr- let him have that moment. Yeah, I mean, re- changed his life in, in a way that he's never going to be able to, to, you know, undo. Mm-hmm. So I want him, even if it necessarily hasn't doesn't have to do with Alex or anything, to have that moment with him. Now I'm afraid they won't because they've already done that with Alex and Jesse. And I'm afraid they don't want to be repetitive. Um, but he, he, Michael has the right to confront his abusers in some way. Um, um, so another question we got on Twitter. Um, so death by stapler wanted to discuss Michael's intelligence. And, uh, so clear genius that we saw in high school, which we sort of touched on this earlier, but it seems forgotten by everyone given his behavior. And where do we think the show is going to go with that? I, I like this question because we do get to see the show focusing on his intelligence, like all of the drawings and all the things that he has in his airstream and like all the equations that I don't understand. You know, I don't know what's happening, but something very intelligent. It looks and smart. Alien-y. It looks smart. And, you know, that them utilizing that towards the end of the season, um, especially that scene where he's showing all of his stuff to, to Alex in episode 10. It's just stuff. I don't know what it all is, but um, I, I kind of hope that that's part of the way that they move forward with Michael as they let his intelligence shine through. And instead of him just being the constant fuck up can actually be, you know, let that let that be a defining characteristic of him mm-hmm. that other people get to see more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love the scenes that he has with Liz. Um, and you see, like, you see that he's comfortable in, like, in that environment and right. like, the the conversation he has with Liz. They're all like this sciencey stuff, and I love it. I I hope that with having to bring Max back, they will have more of that. I don't know that they that they will do that yeah. because again, because it's basically the exact same storyline as Isabel being in the pot. Right. So I don't know how they'll go about it, but I would love to see Michael come more into himself in that sense. I think that it's something that he genuinely is passionate about, and I would love to see him be able to, you know, either make a profession out of it or, you know, actually use it and be able to show people that this is what I can do, you know.
You know, and it's funny that you brought up um, Chasing's meta about all of the little hints that they did throughout season one for Michael and Maria and the sort of basis that they, you know, the foundation that they built that is, it is there if you want to see it and you want to, you know, really talk about it. Um, I don't, it didn't, I think for a lot of people, it felt like it came out of nowhere in episode nine. And I don't think that that's true. You know, her, I think her meta was really interesting about that. I mean, they've, they've been laying this sort of flirtatious foundation for a long time and it and and that just that episode happened to be a little bit more you know it was directed by was it someone that was in the oh you know original roswell so that that makes a little bit of sense too i like michael and maria i if if malix wasn't a thing i think that michael and maria would probably be my main ship of the show i like them i think they have chemistry i think that they're gonna end up more on like a best friend's you know, with an antagonistic relationship, like, because they're both kind of sarcastic, just kind of smart asses in a lot of ways. And I think that's where they'll end up. Yeah. Especially as a, a bisexual man having a female friend. The mm. idea that's, I I liked them from the beginning because it was, it, it just could have been something like mm-hmm. that for me. Like this really interesting, deep friendship that Michael really needs not to say that not to say that we won't get that because right, of I course. mean like like people have said Karina said whatever you know Michael and Maria are not together at the end of the first season there's nothing to say that they'll be together at the beginning of the second season especially considering everything that's gone on with Max and and Rosa and all that not to say that we won't get this really cool friendship um, yeah yeah that's i think that's why i'm so i have so many mixed feelings about them um and i think they will my feelings about them will be shaped a lot with by what happens in season two. Like mm-hmm. they're together, how long they stay together, how Alex will be. And I don't think Alex will factor a lot into it. Like I think they will have maybe a scene where they'll discuss it, but with so many secrets mm-hmm. being kept from Maria. And we know from the spoilers that Michael won't mm-hmm. tell her. Um, I think that will ultimately, if they are together, that will ultimately be what breaks them up. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I'm, I have so many mixed feelings about them because that's what I saw them as like when the season started and I didn't see like episode nine didn't come out of nowhere for me. But what I saw it as and I was hoping it was building up to will be them resolving like this sexual tension having this hookup and then realizing we're better off as friends and I, I because i genuinely think that both of them need a friend more than they need a romantic relationship in this moment and as we said already so many times the finale felt so rushed and thinking about it after months that decision to go to maria makes a lot of sense for me like alex's trauma makes sense for me michael's decision makes sense maria's decision makes sense from what she knows so i'm not i'm not overly angry about it i'm angry about it being like the love triangle that has two queer men in it being the one that is messy over the the other two love triangles with all we assume straight people in it were resolved in a way that basically didn't even make them love triangles so that that's the thing um i reacted worse to but from the point of seeing michael and maria together i get it like i have to look for it in the show in a way that you don't have to look for any other relationship because they're all in your face in a way that the two of them are not but um if you if you go back and you look into it and you're like yeah okay this 
this does make sense. Well, my problem really stems from here's my problem with it. I, you know, I, I don't think I have as strong of feelings about it as other people do in fandom and, and watching it. And that's fine. I mean, you know, different things bother different people. Um, my problem is that I wonder without, I'm gonna, I just don't want to step on a lot of toes right now. Although I guess what the fuck does it really matter is if, if Maria were a man and this were a love triangle between three men, I would say, for me personally, I would imagine the reaction would be much different, and it would be, it would oh, yeah. be a little bit more accepted. There would be less anger. I think it's absolutely and the criticisms that come with it are oftentimes hand in hand tied with biphobia, and you cannot like the love triangle easily and not be biphobic. You could not like it because Maria and Alex are friends. You could not like it because it's two queer men. You could not like it because it's a woman of color and a man of color. And a, you know what I mean? There's a, there's a whole di- slew of reasons to not like the love triangle. <clears throat> but when it becomes more of, you know, he's choosing Maria because he wants to be in a heterosexual relationship or we don't need that kind of rep, you know, that's not by rep. That's a load of bullshit. Michael yeah. is bisexual. What relationship he's in is bi rep. It's my bi rep. I'm with I'm I'm with a man. So maybe don't say that's not bi rep when maybe that's not yours, but it is mine. Yeah. But whether it's Michael and Maria or it's with Alex, we need to learn to discuss why we don't like something without being horribly offensive about it. I also get being angry about what the implications of that choice are because all the um, the interviews about it were like oh Maria is easy and Alex is just a trauma and like I see and I am a little angry about the fact that you're putting the gay man in the position of being the bad thing and the straight we assume woman in the position of being the mm-hmm. light right right so I see that being angry about the double standard again the double standard of treating the queer relationship differently than what you would do uh, a straight relationship, right? But it's not a straight relationship. <laughs> no, no, no. I was talking about the other straight relationships on the show. Ah, I see what you're saying. But um, at the same time, I personally, like, Michael's choice to be with a woman specifically isn't what I'm, I'm angry about. I'm angry about right. the fact that Michael and Maria didn't tell mm-hmm. Alex. I'm angry about the fact that Maria is Alex, supposedly Alex's best, Alex's best friend. And... It all comes from the fact that they waited until the finale and that it was cut there. And then mm. you have Alex waiting. So, like, that's all you get. And then you have to wait until season two to see. And you're here right. wondering, will they talk to Alex about mm-hmm. it? Will Maria, you know, say something to Alex? Right. I'm not... The only thing I'm angry about is is it's bad. It was bad filming. It was yeah. bad idea to have Alex outside the airstream. They didn't. They didn't need that. It was completely unnecessary. All it, you know, it fed into so many stereotypes. Had they cut that out, then I think it would have been a lot different. But instead it made the bisexual person, of course, he's been demonized by the end. And maybe that trope should also die. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I think I see season two. I hope season two deals with it. I hope they give all of the characters involved a chance. I don't. I don't think it's about explaining their choices, but like right. a, a chance for them to talk. And hopefully, Michael and Alex will have that from that behind the scenes picture. And I hope I, I hope Alex and Maria have the chance to get it. The only 
fear that I have for mm. season two, which I at this moment I don't see coming to fruition, is that Michael Whip will be like fall into the stereotype of being the undecisive bi person. Right. I, I, I don't really see him doing that because for all of season one, he was really like he was sad on what he was choosing, you know, like so um, I don't I don't see him falling into this stereotype and I haven't seen him be a stereotype in any big offensive way in season nope. one so i hope they mm-hmm. keep it that way i i you know they so far again n- not like i'm president of bisexual people but for me personally <laughs> the you know his rep has been phenomenal for me and we've talked about it before and i'm sure we'll talk about it again but it's the stereotypes that often come out in media have i think for the most part been swerved by the show um because I'd like to make it clear to some people that Michael choosing to be with Maria is not falling into some bad bisexual stereotype. That's not what that is. That's mm-hmm. being bisexual. Yeah. That means that, you know, that's just what... Now, they're, yeah. like, poor execution, maybe, but that's not a bad stereotype and, and wouldn't be if he were in a relationship with Maria. Yeah, and then again, it comes from his own reasoning of my relationship with Alex... Uh, is done like that's what he thinks it's not what alex thinks because they don't talk to each other um but like he doesn't cheat he's not indecisive that will be the only thing that pisses me off that will be the only thing that the show could do i I don't really care about the indecisive stereotype that may bother people it doesn't bother me but the stereotype that would bother me the most is Mm the is bisexual cheating not that bisexual people don't cheat because we're human i mean but but that we've seen that enough but I, I, I don't see him doing that. I don't, I don't see them going that way. And I hope they don't. No, I, 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 yeah, I don't either. I think I would feel, I don't want, I just, I feel like if we're already doing the stereotype of a love triangle, I don't think that we need, let's not do the tropey part of it also with the, with the constant cheating. Yeah. You know, this isn't actually a soap opera as much as it may come across like that sometimes. Let's just let that one die. Yeah, I hope, like what I hope will happen is... Michael and Maria will have their own problems with the whole lying thing, the secrets and everything. And we know Alex and Michael have their whole 10 years of history of relationship that they'll have to deal with. And I see maybe Michael being with someone else as a chance for them to try and build that foundation that I want to have and that Alex has shown he wants to have um so yeah like if they go about it as michael is in a relationship with maria um down the line i don't know how many episodes i don't know how many seasons if it happens that they break up i wanted to have it to have nothing to do with alex i i completely agree and i think that i i, I am very impressed with if there's some things about Roswell that I think are annoying, which, I mean, that's any show, you know, especially with the first season, I will say that for the most part, um, they've so far managed to avoid some of the really big issues that, that could have come up. So I think they're aware of that at the very least. And I'm hoping the fact that Tyler, the fact that he's out, he's an out bisexual man, and that there are queer people in the writing staff, I think that that would mean that most of the big, big stuff mm-hmm. they could they would mm-hmm. avoid. Agreed. Um, all right. Uh, I appreciate you guys listening and listening to the first two episodes. Um, as always, I mean, you can find me on Tumblr as Bisexual Alien Blast or on Twitter as Bi Alien Blast. Um, I'm on Tumblr as Flamito and on Twitter as Shatspecs. Uh, I'm on Tumblr at Fraudulent Zodiacs and Twitter as Fraudulent Zodiacs. Awesome. And we'll see you soon. We'll have the, um, 
subject of our fourth episode out before you know it. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, guys. Cheers.